If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Election College, Episode 78. Hey, it's 1920, and women are finally granted the right to vote. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben. Yeah, Jason? So... We didn't cover this in the regular series, <laughs> but we're big dummies. Uh, yeah, the Nineteenth Amendment—it's kind of a big deal. It's like the big deal of the cent- of the twentieth century, I would say. I mean, it really t- kind of changes everything in the in the United States. Yeah, less than a hundred years ago, women are finally granted the ability to vote, <laughs> and it's. Less than 100 years ago, Ben. I know. It's it's really remarkable when you think about... Oh, even when I think about things like planes, like the condition of, of the kinds of flights there were 100 years ago mm-hmm. as compared to now. And I think, um, you know, even just just as much difference can be said for the rights of women and, and for anyone really that was not a white male in the United States between right. 100 years ago and now is vastly different as well. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, we will read the full text of the 19th Amendment. And basically the text is, it's the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, it pretty much goes uh, pretty pretty straight to the heart of things. Hey, um, no matter what sex you are, you can vote. Yeah. How about it? <laughs> so it's shocking and, and perhaps appalling, but let's talk a little bit about the history of women's ability or inability to vote in the United States. Well, let's go back to the Constitution, which was... Well, hey, it's been around since 1789, right? Yeah, and really the Constitution didn't define who had the right of suffrage, or I guess I should say, for those who don't know what suffrage means, who was allowed to vote. Uh, The only real thing that they did was kind of left it into the hands of the states to say who was allowed to vote and who wasn't. And pretty much, well, not pretty much, every state except for New Jersey, at least initially, says, yeah, women uh, are not part of the people we allow to vote. Yeah, and so New Jersey, from the beginning until 1807, allowed women the right to vote. But 1807 rolls around, and they're like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Yeah, we (laughs) changed our mind. And then get this, the women weren't 
too upset about it. Yeah. And maybe we'll get into this here in a little bit, but it's amazing how many women were like anti women voting for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to me. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, some of the women's initiatives to have this what would seem to be inalienable, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you could go back to the 1848 Seneca Falls Convention, which happened in New York. And that wasn't the first meeting, but it really was the kickoff to the women's rights movement. Right. Yeah. There were certainly activists before this point and many women who wanted to vote, many men who wanted women to be able to vote. But this, like Jason said, is kind of the kickoff for the official movement. And the funny thing is the, the Seneca Falls Convention, uh, at least the first one, and I think a couple subsequently, were not actually about suffrage and voting rights. Um, they it just kind of came up naturally. And it was certainly a focus point, but it wasn't the focus point. But needless to say, the Seneca Falls Conventions became, you know, really the catalyst from the get go to to start this conversation up nationally. Yeah. So remember that, that that happened in 1848. And if you are aware of any American history, you'll realize that the Civil War is starting to come upon our country. And the focus is taken away from women's suffrage or women's rights in general mm -hmm. and goes mainly towards the issue of slavery and abolition of of the slaves but it it's interesting ben because even people like frederick Douglass were very vocal about women having the ability to vote so in in some ways the two were tied together having civil rights no matter what your your race or your gender but um that definitely took a back seat during the Civil War. Yeah, and even during the Civil War, there were a lot of different bills that came and were in, were introduced to the legislatures, and all of them kind of took a back burner. And, well, of course, you had the Boys Club who decided it was an important issue, especially in the midst of the Civil War. And a lot of the women agreed, you know, women who are part of the suffrage movement decided, yeah, it probably isn't the thing we should spend the most amount of time on. Let's spend more time on helping former slaves and current slaves become free and having rights as well. So it takes a bit of a, a, a backseat during the Civil War era. And then even during the Reconstruction era, it kind of just eh, it's not really it's not really chugging along because people aren't giving a whole lot of credence to it simply because there are so many other people who are disenfranchised and. Um, hey, what do we do with all these people who didn't used to have rights at all? What do we do with them? Right. Now, it is worthy of note, and we covered this um, in a previous episode when we were talking about one of the lesser political parties. So we're still in New York. It's 1846. So just a couple of years before the Seneca uh, Convention, the state of New York was actually adopting a constitution and they had received a petition and at least three counties uh, from New York really petitioned hard to make women's suffrage a right. In New York, there was this abolitionist party called the Liberty Party. 
And they petitioned Congress to enfranchise women. And they had a national convention. And in 1848, they actually approved a resolution calling for universal suffrage in its broadest sense, which would include women and men. And there was even talk of having a lady named Lucretia Mott as being the party's vice presidential candidate. So that was the first time that a woman had been proposed for executive office. Yeah, and uh, even though it didn't it didn't end up going anywhere, she got a few votes and uh, it kind of made a statement that, yeah, we're going to do this and uh, we think you should do. Right. <laughs> so moving forward, you start seeing the formation of a couple different organizations and actually throughout the years, many different organizations. The first couple were uh, the National Woman Suffrage Association and the American Woman Suffrage Association. And they were formed in the late 60s, uh, 1860s. And of course, they uh, these are names I'm sure you'll recognize from history class, or hopefully you do, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. And their their big thing was challenging the 14th Amendment and then the 15th Amendment, which, if you don't recall, um, talks about universal citizenship, talks about giving the vote to people regardless of their race. They tried to use those together to say we women should have voting rights. And the Supreme Court's like, mm, let me th- no. <laughs> and they're all of a sudden like, OK, so obviously they're not going to give it to us based on what's already been done. Let's work on making a new amendment. Yeah. And all through this era, you know, the United States is expanding West and in the Wyoming Territory and in Utah and in the Washington Territory, all of these places out West are saying, yes, women can vote. Go for it. And meanwhile, the Supreme Court is just like, no. So the 19th Amendment is actually identical to the 15th Amendment, except for the denial of suffrage because of sex. And the 15th says race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Yeah, and a lot of people know this, or at least at the time, knew the amendment as the Anthony Amendment. And uh, that would make sense, right? It's introduced by someone named Anthony, but no, it actually wasn't. Uh, It was (laughs) introduced to the Senate by a Republican senator, Aaron Sargent from California. And of course, like Jason just said, people out West are, hey, let's get these women voting. Uh, Sargent had actually met Susan B. Anthony and he was like, I'm all about women's suffrage. And Susan B. Anthony's like, well, then do something about it. So he submits the uh, proposal for the amendment. Yeah. And you can imagine we are still in the 1800s and this is a big deal. However, there's just this period of time where nothing happens. Go figure it. Think that ever happens with Congress? No, that, would, that, that sounds unreasonable. I wouldn't think that. Yeah. So believe it or not, Congress was pretty slow in listening to what was going on as far as the women's suffrage movement. And they received very little recognition uh, or attention, I should say, uh, for like three decades. This period of time became known as the doldrums. <laughs> so until around 1910, 
nothing was really happening as far as the federal government recognizing this fundamental right. Yeah. So for the next few years, you start seeing, like Jason said, a kind of a, a lot of activity going on. You see different legislation and referenda uh, coming out that gives either partial suffrage or full suffrage to women, which, hey, a little bit's better than nothing, right? I, I, I suppose. Um, but they start happening. And a lot of this is kind of attributed to the fact that the progressive and socialist parties were coming out big in the 1912 election. We talked about those. Oh, I don't know, about 15, 20 episodes back, or I guess more than that now, right? right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we talked about a lot of that stuff. So you can go back and, and listen to those again. But uh, you also get Woodrow Wilson in office. He's a, a Democrat. And these people are not only Woodrow Wilson, but the progressives and the socialists just really pushing the issue hard. And it still takes until 1914 until the Senate actually considers it again. And of course, Jason, they pass it, right? Uh, no. Oh. Well, it was close. A, 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 no, 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 it wasn't either. Yeah. So Susan B. Anthony is off the scene now. And Carrie Chapman Cat uh, becomes the new president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. And she really starts getting into. Um, supporting the troops during World War One, And that was to the much of the dismay of a lot of the um, women's suffragettes because women tended to be, at this time, more along the lines of pro-pacifism. And here she was saying, let's, let's get in there and let's support the, the U.S. of A. So this increasing nationalism of the suffragettes really turns them into a patriotic organization. And President Wilson is like, hey, you all are great. I am going to speak out in favor of women's suffrage in my 1918 State of the Union address. So there's another proposal in January of 1918, right around the time of the State of the Union, that, um, well, President Wilson's like, Hey, everybody, but especially the House, just pass the amendment. Just just go ahead and yeah, squeak that on through. And it does. It gets a two-thirds vote from the House. And it actually only makes it by like one vote. Ooh. And then the vote carries on through the Senate. And Wilson's like, hey, Senate, go ahead and just squeak this on through. And uh, the historic date, September 30th, 1918, it passes, right? Uh, no. Jason, you got to say yes one of these times if we're going to actually talk about, you know, women getting the right to vote. I know. I feel like such a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had people on both sides of the aisle who are like, listen, let's get this thing done. And President Wilson is like, okay, you guys are feeling the heat. You need to get something done because think about it. A lot of people in Congress are up for election in 1920, and they want to be reelected, right? Absolutely. So the president says, okay, Congress, let's get back together. And it passes like 42 votes more than necessary. And that happened on May 21st, 1919. The interesting thing to me, Jason, is that now we look at a lot of votes in Congress and you see, you know, 
all the Democrats voted this way and none of the Republicans did. And there were two abstentions or vice versa. You know, all the Republicans vote for it and all the Democrats against it. But like you said, you had people on both sides of the aisle. It's just that there weren't enough of them on both sides of the aisle. So you get a really strong support from both sides, but you have just as strong of an opposition, which is what held it back for so long. So I don't want anyone to think, well, and I'm sure there certainly were more of one party than the other opposing this, but I don't want anyone to think that, oh yeah, it was one party holding women's suffrage back because it didn't um, it didn't really feed into their interest. Sure, that happens. But this is one instance where it was it was actually fairly bipartisan in agreement and disagreement. Yeah, it's a very good point. And it's interesting as we went through uh, with the presidential election series, how um, that's fairly recent that the parties became much more divided on the social aspect of of government. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with you know, before the 1960s, 1970s, especially was much more of how you viewed the size of government. And that wasn't even as big of a controversy as it is now. But um, but back to 1919, the Senate's like, hey, <laughs> we want to be reelected, too. <laughs> so it passed. Uh, 56 said yes. And 25 said no. And within just a few days, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan were like, yeah, <laughs> let's ratify this bad boy. And, um, or should I say, bad girl? Yeah, and, that's appropriate. Yeah. And on onward to the rest. Yeah, we get to the point where we've got 35 states out of the 36 required saying, yeah, right on, let's do this. And then you got a lot of Southern Democrats who are like, mm, this isn't really part of our way of life. Um, it's just, it doesn't work for us quite yet. And Tennessee is actually the last state to pass the amendment before ratification or, you know, to get to ratification. And they actually hold a special night session right before the ratification period was going to expire to get it to go through. And that happens on August 19th, 1920 where they uh, they approved the 19th Amendment with 50 of 99 members voting yes. So just barely yeah. they get the majority in Tennessee. So should we pause for just a moment, Ben? I know that, okay, it's an election year. It's a presidential election year. But for just a moment, I would hope that all of our listeners are planning on voting. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and that you realize that it's not just a presidential race. <laughs> there are <laughs> members of, yes, the U.S. House of Representatives. Perhaps you have a senator up for election or a, a new person who um, might be throwing their hat into the ring. But my goodness, it is important that you know who you're voting for. Boy, I'm just getting on my little soapbox here. It's yeah. important that you know who you're voting for in your state's House of Representatives. <laughs> because if the people of Tennessee would have voted one way or another, we may not have had the 19th Amendment be ratified until years later, had it not been for just a few people. Yeah, that one extra guy in Tennessee. Yeah. 
So anyway, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> but I do think it's kind of interesting because uh, which state was it? It's like, oh, who is it? I forgot. Like South Carolina didn't certify the 19th Amendment until August of 1973. Yeah. <laughs> well, they weren't the only ones. North Carolina, uh, 1971. They were a little behind on the party, too. And and even Florida was in the late 60s. So it's yeah. just kind of funny. I think I wonder if it's like, oh, well, it already passed. Why even bother voting on it? And then 40 years later, they're like, we can't have this on the books. <laughs> hey, Mississippi, March 22nd, 1984. That's yeah. when they ratify. Yeah. So anyway, if you're Alaska from Mississippi, Hawaii, they never ratified it. Ugh. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> they, guys? they weren't states, by the way. <laughs> so it wasn't all lollipops, rainbows, and there's something else to that. Butterflies? Yes. Butterflies, lollipops, and rainbows, and unicorns, and what have you. It did pass, but not too soon after, there was a challenge, a court challenge, to the legality of the 19th Amendment. Yeah, uh, Oscar Lesser decides he's going to sue to stop just uh, two women who want to register to vote or who are registered to vote in Baltimore. And he pretty much says, you know what? The Maryland Constitution, that's where we're at here in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, limits the suffrage to men. And Maryland, we didn't ratify the 19th Amendment. So we're not letting you vote, even though it's the law. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it makes it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And Justice, uh, is it Louis or Lewis? Lewis Brandeis? Uh-huh. I'm sure I'll be corrected on that either way because I said it two different ways. I'll say Lewis uh, was like, um, he's like, no. <laughs> so <laughs> two women were permitted to register to vote and woo, women get yeah. to vote everywhere. Hey, Jason, you know, it's really interesting. In 1920, when the amendment was passed and women were allowed to vote, it's an election year. And we mentioned that earlier, but Guess who doesn't show up in crazy high numbers to vote? Women. A lot of women still stayed at home. A lot of women are unconfident that they know what they're doing. I'm sure many women had husbands who didn't want them to vote and they wanted to either respect them or they feared them in, in some way. Uh, and then there were many different denominations of, well, not even just denominations of a certain religion, but many different religions, especially uh, certain denominations of Christianity who encourage the women not to vote. And this happens not only from 1920, a little forward, but like until 1928, we don't really see women start super, super coming out to vote. And then not until 1980 do we see women voting in the same numbers as men. And now, you know, nowadays it's either equal or more than men, but it takes 60 years from the time they're allowed to vote for women to have the same turnout, which is just, you know, just shows you how ingrained in the culture it was for so long. Yeah. And we won't get into too many of the more controversial issues of, uh, you know, is our men and women truly equal in our society now, but it certainly is worth a conversation. 
and what groups are disenfranchised right now in our culture and um, what are we doing to really treat people as people? Yeah. Hey, well, we think uh, all people should go out and vote, like Jason said earlier, and should be able to get to the polls and and vote. And, um, you know, we, I think Jason, we should probably do like a how to vote, how to get registered kind of thing later on in the year uh, before the national election comes up. We missed the, the primaries for the most part, but I think that'd be a kind of a cool PSA. Yeah, definitely. And really cool way. And you're going to love this segue. <laughs> One really cool way to help get the word out about this podcast is to give us a vote. And you can do that by giving us a star rating over in iTunes. And we love to read your comments, interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Election College. Yeah. And hey, we mention this from time to time, but we don't push it really hard. But if you like Ben and Jason, or even if you don't even care about Ben and Jason, but you like the content of the show, it would be awesome if you would go ahead and go over to electioncollege.com slash Amazon and bookmark that site. And anytime you're going to do shopping on Amazon, just click our link and anything you buy through there we'll get a little bit of a credit for, and you won't see any difference in price or anything at all, really. And it helps the show out and helps us, um, you know, pay some bills. So that'd be great if you could do that. Yeah. And we cannot wait to bring you all new episodes of Election College where we're covering different topics. This one isn't too far off of what we've done before, where we've covered particular amendments to the Constitution that affect elections. But we're really excited about bringing you new content about some of the influential people throughout our history. And we would love to hear your input. What are some topics that you would like to hear about here on Election College? Feel free to interact with us over on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And we most certainly appreciate any and all comments. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next time. We'll see you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.